have faith in God is not a stagnant state. It's a journey. As a believer, we should grow in our knowledge of God and His Word. Walk with Alan Cutting and many other believers as together we walk the believer's journey. Aloha and welcome again to the believer's journey. It's so nice having you back here watching us and supporting us, praying for us. We really appreciate all of your support and, and all your help. And I want to just say hello to everybody out there, and, and um, I hope you're having a wonderful day, wonderful week. And today, I think we have an amazing hour. Um, I met a lady. Um, her name is Brenda K. Deo, like the song. <laughs> And um, she has an amazing story. She has an amazing ministry. And I think that uh, as we listen to her story and we talk today, we'll have a really neat discussion. We're going to talk about the second half hour. We're going to talk about a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and um, God's own special possession or people out of 1 Peter 2.9. And so we're going to talk about that today. Before, before I go on, I, I want to say um, to all of my sponsors that thank you. And, and um, I, I appreciate all that you do, all that you help us with. And I uh, want to let everybody know that we are having a mission trip going to uh, the country of the Republic of Moldova. We leave uh, the end of October. We'll be back the 1st of December. So we'll be gone for an entire month. And uh, we are looking for support. If anybody uh, would like to support what we do, it's not the trip that you need to support. We actually pay for the trip. It's already been paid for. Everything is done. But what we do is we take over um, items like clothing, whether it be underwear or socks or shoes or pants or shirts. We take that over to them. We take over vitamins and other things like that to help the missionaries and the people who are over there. So if anybody would like to go ahead and donate, you can go to our website, and uh, we are a 5013C um, tax-deductible um, organization, so it is tax-deductible. If you want to email us, you can email us at KonaKid uh, at um, thebelieversjourney.net, and we'll be glad to uh, answer any questions and so forth. But we want to uh, let you know that this is um, on, on track now. And last year we were supposed to go, but COVID came along. And so it canceled us out. And pray for our time there and that we will be reaching people. Okay, so let's talk to Brenda. Brenda, say hello. Hello, how are you? <laughs> I'm glad I'm here. That's awesome. Um, it's really interesting. I, I was... Uh, Looking through uh, a magazine website, that sounds kind of weird, magazine website, yeah. called The Beacon of San Antonio. It's a Christian magazine uh, here in San Antonio, Texas. And I was looking at uh, a couple pages that had interests of these few months that it was doing. And it had this uh, <laughs> name called Artist Night Out. Mm -hmm. um, now, Brenda is the CEO, and I guess when I went to visit the Artist Night Out, you were there, mm -hmm. and it's a really nice-looking uh, storefront. It's in a mall called Rolling Oaks Mall. So mm -hmm. if you're here locally or if you come to San Antonio, uh, this shop, it's weird to call it a shop, but um, what uh, do you? A, what? <laughs> a lot more like a live venue. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, is uh, there? It is uh, on the bottom floor, and you can go there and uh, visit anytime through the day, as long as somebody's there. The coffee is free, just by donation. You can play checkers. You can hang out. You can read. It's a very good solitude place to just uh, be there. However, on the weekends they uh, liven it up, mm -hmm. and we're going to talk about that. It's a really amazing ministry, and I wanted to bring this to you. A lot of times. What we do on our program is we would bring people who are involved with helping with shelter or clothing or food. And this is just really cool because I think this is in such need in what you have as, as a nonprofit organization to really reach out to people. So what it is, is it's called, uh, she also has a thing called Brenda's Creations Art Studio. Mm -hmm. Brenda is an artist and she uh, paints. She basically, when I uh, was in her in her live venue, you know, I, I understood that she likes the arts in every fashion. I mean, she likes music. She likes it all. And I thought this was really cool. So um, let's talk, Brenda. Sure. So how did, how did you come about this? And tell us what this is, uh, the Artist Night Out. Tell us what it is. So what we do is um, we, in, we entertain through um, different avenues of art, music, dance, poetry. Um, we also allow the public to come in and sit at a table and drink their coffee and worship, pray, whatever Christians do, you know. We also um, believe that it's used as a light in the darkest, darkness in the way that um, some people would never go to church, but they would come to Artist Night Out because of the music or the entertainment, you know, and those sort of things. We also give a word. Um, it's very prophetic, very spontaneous, very fun. <laughs> we even made a little dance floor for people if they want to dance and worship that way. We have, um, we've had dancers outside of the store, and they worship with the flags um, we've had a gentleman uh, wear a sign, John 3.16, and walk around in the mall just telling people about Jesus. I mean, it's just freedom in, in, in the Lord. So what brought you to, to do this? Well, a couple of things. Um, my husband and I, well, my husband's from Minnesota, and I'm from here. Um, and I've always been an artist. I've always gone to different venues to do live painting or do vendor events and try to sell my art and that kind of thing. My husband's from Minnesota where they had a, li a live venue that was a lot larger than what we are now. Um, and they had the different churches came together under one accord and build this place where they would have music bands. And he explains it so much better than me, but they have, they had, a you know, live music. They had the youth groups uh, get together and perform those kind of things. They even had a store inside. So um, he came from that. He saw that actually take place. So when we got together, we were looking for, in San Antonio for something to do as a couple because there's really just nothing to do as a couple, a Christian couple. And we don't want to go to the bars and, you know, because that's not our thing. But um, we've been to every restaurant. We've already seen all the movies. You know, what do you do on date night, you know, with your husband? And so um, we're looking around. We like to shoot pool. We like to throw darts, you know, stuff like that. Back in the day, we used to do that. But there's nothing like that in San Antonio where you'd have to, you know, you could just hang out and drink coffee and have a sandwich if you want. Um, so we decided to build it. And um, we started uh, from going from place to place, bringing live entertainment to different churches, different venues, um, different areas of town. We even had it at the YMCA one year. Um, 
And it was great. We were bouncing from once a month from place to place. And we had musicians every time we had a little bit of a format. But we left it open to the artists to do their original music. And we also allowed um, spontaneous poetry, spontaneous uh, worship, spontaneous um, word. You know, if you had a perfect word, we opened up the door and we said, hey, you be you. As a Christian, we trust you and you're here in the Lord. We want you to go ahead and do what you do. And we, we were doing that once a month. And it was great for three years. And then uh, COVID hit. <laughs> and it changed everything. Um, but we still perse- you know, persevered. And we, cha- we changed it from once a month to once a week. Once we got into the mall. So that door opened and that was God. He opened the door for that. So when you say once a week, are we talking Saturdays? Every Saturday night we do from 6 to 8, um, the actual live music part. Uh, but we are open from 11 to 6 during the week, Monday through Friday. And we are praying to be able to open fr- on Friday nights, too, because a lot of pastors and, and people can't come on a Saturday night. So we, we're trying to get it to where we can open on a Friday night as well. Now, is Artist Night Out, is it also open to churches to come in and uh, do some things like uh, maybe I want to have a... A group come in and, and have a conference or stuff like that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we open it up as a venue. So if you want to rent space there, you can do that. Um, we have a singles church ministry that um, has been using the space uh, once a month. Um, they also have a prayer and deliverance ministry that's attached to that. And so we open the space to them. We've had um, Bridging the Gap meetings there, um, one meeting so far. And we, you know, we just allow people, if they have a ministry, they want to use the space for like a prayer meeting, something like that. Yes. I think I also heard you're having like a women's conference. Yeah, we just had a conference, a women's conference um, last Saturday. It was amazing. It was called Hear the Roar. And we were teaching, not so much teaching, but um, more or less uh, reminding the people, you know, you can hear God's roar. You can hear his voice. So this is a nonprofit. It's not. It's not a nonprofit. I'm oh, sorry. it's not a nonprofit. No, it's a for-profit. We work with nonprofits, though. Okay. So if you have a nonprofit, and as an artist, I used to paint and sell my work and help raise money for the nonprofits. But um, Artist Night Out is partnering with other nonprofits as well. Okay. We're now, working on the nonprofit part. Okay. Yeah. So how do you sustain yourself? Right now, I'm an artist again, and I also do teach art lessons. Um, I ha- I'm, I've been teaching for over 20 years. Um, I do sell my artwork. Um, I have a ga- it is a gallery as well. I have other artists that come in and they, they sell their artwork um, through the gallery side of it. And um, pretty much memberships. Uh, people are joining and helping. We're, we're holding each other hands and we're helping each other along. We also have vendors. Um, they pay a fee. Um, for a membership, and they can have set up a table all you know for that month, each month, and um, every Saturday we are open, and now Fridays if we once we get that going, uh, the vendors can set up a table for for a fee as well. Okay, and for the people who attend, they say come on a Saturday night or or just come during the week and want to sit in there. Is there a charge for them? No, it's absolutely free, and okay. that's where you know we've we've gone back and forth with that. We. You know, we see the clubs in San Antonio and how they charge at the door. There's a band and there's concert nights and things like that. And I understand that. But I believe that God wants us to keep it free. We want to be able to come with our families and have a place of worship. But that's not church, but it's like church. Okay. 
this is, I mean, this is to me really amazing. And I know that uh, when I was reading um, your bio and so forth, it, it basically, uh, I read that you are the only one of its kind as far as a, a Christian nightclub in San Antonio. Mm -hmm. So, that's yeah, that's the challenge. <laughs> <laughs> but the word's getting out and people are coming. We packed the house almost every single Saturday night. In fact, our grand opening, we had over 100 people show up. Wow. Yeah. That's it was really, really, really cool. cool. Yeah. So, and the, the artists that you have, the singers you have, uh -huh. um, I guess I was looking at your website and you had a whole list. Yes. Of ones that are there. Yes. Um, in fact, starting with my daughter, she's a singer and songwriter and she plays guitar. Um, she was, she's, uh, comes every now, now and then she's plays all over San Antonio. So, um, I got to book her, <laughs> but we have, um, Troy LeBlanc's band. We have several different house bands that, that have been repetitively, um, performing as well. Um, we have a singing missionary. We have some rap artists. We like all genres of music. So if you're country rap, you know, jazz, we love it. Just bring it. <laughs> and we don't do it just like a jazz night, rap night. We actually mix it up a little bit. So it's a little something for everybody. The kids enjoy it and the adults enjoy it. Now, the singers that come, because I know a lot of singers, mm -hmm. and I've had a few of them actually on my pro on the program here. Okay. Um, when, they, when they come, do they get paid or they volunteer their time? Most of the time they volunteer their time. It, it's been a blessing. Um, God has put it on their heart. This is the one place they can sing their original music. Um, they may not be able to do it at church, but they can do it at Artist Night Out. So I really encourage that because I know that God is working through the creatives. That's really, really cool. Um, well, so... I know that you, um, tell us about your story. I was reading your story. It's, it's really compelling um, mm -hmm. where you've come from. We don't need a lot of detail, but where you've come from and what got you to the place where you are today. I know that you're you're also a minister. You've uh, worked with um, youth groups and so forth. Mm -hmm. But talk to us a little bit about yourself. Who, who are you? <laughs> well, I am from San Antonio. Um, basically born and, and raised here. Um, I've, I love San Antonio. I've always, you know, this has always been home. I've moved away and then came back. Something about San Antonio brings you back. And um, I, I love the city. Um, I came from a family, a family of four. There's, I'm the oldest. Um, my mother, uh, she divorced when I was three years old. So that kind of changed things for my, for my journey, you know, to start out. And it was rough, um, not knowing my dad very well. I did go on summertime and, and visit him and things like that, but I wasn't never really close to him. Uh, I left home at 16 years old. Uh, I had a really hard time getting adjusted to life, not knowing a whole lot. You know, at 16, we think we do, but we don't. So I was in a very rebellious stage of my life. Um, fell into some bad things and skipped through that part and go straight to where I met Jesus. I actually, in, in, when I was like five years old, I went to kin, uh, Sunday school and I said the cute little prayer, Jesus come into my heart. I got saved and I wrote down three things. I wrote down, I want, you know, the, the teacher told us, wrote, write down three things that you want in life. And I said that I wanted... I wanted my family. I wanted a family of my own. I wanted to get married and have kids. Um, I wanted to have a business. And I wanted to be an artist. Um, one of the things that I loved doing, you know. So I always used art as an expression of, of, my, of myself and how I felt. Um, 
but skipping forward, I um, didn't quite get there. <laughs> the journey took me to a bumpy road and then a few valleys and a few mountains through a ditch and <laughs> landed smack on my face, basically, <laughs> thinking that um, I had it all figured out. I didn't. Um, it, it got me to a place where I came to the end of myself, of a, you know, a prodigal child, maybe. Um, and I didn't, I didn't know Jesus, but I knew who he was. And people talked about him, but I didn't know him. I was, you know, when you're when you're saved at five years old, you're just saying what the teacher tells you to say sometimes, you know. And when you're 16, 17 years old, you're thinking you know everything, but you really don't. To me, Christians were bold people in airports, you know, handing out Bibles. That's all I knew about Christianity. So I went into a pretty dark area, of, you know, in my life. And uh, my first husband, I got married at 18 years old. And we were married seven years, and he was killed in a car accident. And so that kind of spiraled me in a whole different direction. Um, several attempts to try to have a relationship led me to um, my children, having my children, and just not really figuring out life, you know, just having a really hard time understanding why. Um, you know, how we were talking earlier, st I stopped asking why God, and I started asking why not me because it really got to a point where I needed to know what was my purpose. It wasn't so much how, you know, fixing me. It was more about if this happened to me, what do I do with it? And, you know, I, I went on a self-discovery journey, um, self-help, if you will, like books, reading books, meditating, watching shows, doing things, you know, that would help me get to know why, what my purpose was. And, it, and I knew it was a bigger purpose than me. I knew it was more to myself than that. But I just wanted to be happy, you know, and I was really struggling trying to be happy with who I was. And uh, so I struggled with self-esteem for a really long time. And even the self-help books, they helped a little bit. You know, they kind of took me another step forward into um, getting to know who the Lord was. But... I'm a very stubborn person, <laughs> and I think that's the creative side of me, um, and I'm very much uh, didn't want to give all of my life to anybody or anything, you know. Once you've been hurt as many times as I was, it was really hard to trust people. So when, you know, you're told, give over your life to Jesus, it's like, mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> Who's this Jesus, and why does he want me? You know, that's kind of my attitude at the time. But um, it led me to a place of, of repentance eventually when I started realizing how good he was in my life because he started showing me through my children, through my family, through my friends, through, you know, through different circumstances. And I landed into a church that was a small family church, really small, probably 10 people at the most, you know, on a, on a good Sunday. And the pastor there was like a big ball of love. He just, you know, when I walked in, I just knew that was my home church. And he introduced me to everybody, and he said, why don't you come on Father's Day, which is my worst day. I, hate, I hated Father's Day at the time. And he in, in, invited me to church for, for Father's Day. And I was like, well, I think if I can, we were supposed to go you know, somewhere else for Father's Day. But if, if my family says yes, then we'll go. And that Father's Day, I actually rededicated my life completely to the Lord. And so now Father's Day had a whole other meaning for me, thank God. And I, I right away got into ministry, 
and that ministry led to a youth ministry, which at the time I didn't even like kids. So <laughs> my kids were great, but everybody else, I didn't want them. <laughs> so you really had to break me a little bit on that hard heart, you know. <laughs> and so the, the youth ministry, I did that for seven years. I started teaching Bible studies. I started cleaning, you know, I was already cleaning the church, serving in the church, doing everything I could because I was so thankful for Jesus, you know. And uh, I did that for a while. I went, a missionary came to our church and paid for my Bible studies, my Bible school. So I went twice. They actually paid twice for my, she was coming from China, actually. It's kind of neat. Um, and she paid for my schooling. So I went to Bible college and I was pretty impressed with um, how much I had learned in such a small amount of time. And I, I wanted more, though. It was like it was always like a hunger and a thirst for more, constantly hungry. And I could never get enough. And so every Bible study I went to, every outing, everything I could possibly go to, I went. I had some friends. I would hang out with them. We'd be up two, three o'clock in the morning just talking about Jesus. We just loved it, you know, and very passionate. And I always used my art as part of the, the teaching process in, in my walk as a minister. And uh, then my pastor went on to be with the Lord. And that was really hard time because at that time, I had lost seven people in my family, went into this really dark place again. But this time I had Jesus and this was different. I didn't spiral into um, too much of a depression. I actually had hope while I was going through that phase of life. Um, unfortunately, it ended in, in divorce and, you know, alone again and not knowing what to do, you know, but this time I had Jesus. So I had Jesus, you know, I wasn't completely alone and it changed my life. It was, it was like, I don't care what happens to me. I'm just going to hold on to this one thing I know, you know, and that was my salvation. And, um, fast forwarding, uh, I met my husband now and he and I got together <laughs> and we have a funny story because even though I had my Jesus, I was finding myself you know, compromising in my faith and going places I normally wouldn't. Um, I went to do some karaoke with my daughter and I was there to work, but I really didn't know I was going to, you know, I didn't know where I was going to go. I thought I was going to have to go back to what I used to know. I was kind of lost. Even though I knew Jesus, I still felt lost. And so I was like, well, what do I do? I, I can go back to ministry, but I went through a divorce. How could I go through divorce and go and be in ministry? This is awful, you know? So my witness was messed up. I couldn't go back into, you know, um, the church I was at because the pastor was gone. And I couldn't, you know, I didn't know what to do. I was lost in that middle ground. And I still had, you know, my passion for art. So I started painting again, and I was expressing myself through that. And I started selling my art. And one day I started to um, go to different places to meet my customers, and I ended up in a bar to sell my art, my painting. And my friend that was there that was buying the painting, um, I ended up giving her a ride to the place that she wanted to go, which happened to be a bar. And that's where I met my husband. He was a doorman at the bar. <laughs> and the irony is that I was there to sell a painting. I met my husband. But in that time, I didn't know that that was how Lord was working in my life. I was like, I'm not supposed to be here. I need to go to church in the morning. You know, I was kind of still in that frame of mind. And my husband, he he just kind of like grabbed my hand and started praying with me right there on the spot. 
And I knew, like, I felt the Holy Spirit came over me. And I just knew that was somebody I needed to be with. But then I left. <laughs> I was, like, scared. Because I, when you have a moment of God, an encounter with God, it's like, ah, you know, you're going to drop everything and you just kind of freeze. Yeah. That was God. You just know. Yeah. And he, he, God brought us together. <laughs> there are two things I wanted to, I wanted to mention. One is, I, I'm going to read this. Um, it says here that I was looking at your bio and your information you have like, and, and so forth. It says that you believe that art is more than just something pretty. Right. You believe that God can use artists to change the world by using their gifts to bring people together mm -hmm. in a new and creative way. Mm -hmm. So when I'm reading this and I'm looking at you and I'm seeing the ministry that you put together at Artist Night Out, and I'm looking at all this together. This here looks like you've taken what you believe and making it a reality and tangible mm -hmm. for others to receive mm -hmm. and and actually honor Jesus with this. Yeah. I mean, just holding on to what I knew about, you know, Jesus and what art, you know, to me, and I, I operate in the prophetic when it comes to my art. I used to do live painting, and I would be in worship, and I would paint what I would see in the Spirit. And I know that sounds kind of hooky-spooky, but really it was the Word of God was being revealed to me in a pictorial way, in, in a way I can see it. So, like, put, put yourself in the Bible when you read the story. Okay, what does it look like? What, what were the sounds? What were the smells? What, were the, what was going on in that moment? Well, in, in the painting, I can see things from a different perspective. And so I would paint what I saw. And that's kind of like life. You, you, you look around you and you get inspired by what's around you. And then you paint what you see. Well, I created what I saw, which is Artist Night Out. I created this place where artists can come together, where Christians can come together, where we can all be of one accord and enjoy the atmosphere and have fun because everyone likes the worship part of church. You know, I mean, that's the best part. You know, that's what a lot of people say, but they, you know, it's really about the word. But every, if you really um, are honest, the worship is fun, you know, and artists are, are creating a moment of atmosphere that, that people get caught up in. Why not take that portion and make it a place where people can actually experience God? Right. In fact, I, I when I was looking around at the um, the area, I noticed you had uh, paintings on the wall. You had necklaces hanging all over. You had mm -hmm. a Bible which was open in one area. You had a a counter in the very front. Mm -hmm. So it really is wide open to all kinds of uh, and areas. And they had a coffee pot over on the side. So if you don't want to go to um, Starbucks or any other place yeah. and pay their high prices, you can always go to your place and and, and do you have live, live uh, free Wi-Fi? Yeah, we have Wi-Fi. Free Wi-Fi. Mm -hmm. There you go. I mean, you can't beat that. Yes. So uh, also the, the second thing I want to mention is that um, it says here that you've, uh, you, well, you've already said you do live painting, mm -hmm. but you've done them in services. You've performed for many church organizations, uh, for example, like Last Chance Ministries at the Alamo Dome. Yes. Okay. Uh, you've also did it with this Crusade 30 and well for the Unsealed Scroll Prophecy Conference uh, with Jonathan Kahn at the Grand Hyatt. Mm -hmm. Now, Jonathan Kahn is one of my, I think he's amazing. I, I read his stuff. I listen to his 
DVDs. In fact, it's so funny because I, I teach a, a class, mm -hmm. and when his first Harbinger came out with all his nine DVDs, mm -hmm. I had my entire class watch them, and I think I had one or two people like, oh, I can't do this. <laughs> but it was just a... Uh, Really, I think the guy's amazing. So your your resume here is amazing. He he was amazing too. It was they had him on the stage. They had a big screen of him, and I was next to that big screen where he was. And I'm painting what he's saying, and the spirit was so thick in there, you could just I mean taste it, you know. And I ended up painting this huge lion. And it was actually the Bible opening up, a lion coming out, and water rushing out. And you have to come and see at the at the at the uh, gallery where that painting. I still have it. Yeah, I think you know that's pretty good. Well, if anybody in San Antonio or comes to San Antonio mm -hmm. would not only just like to come to Artist Night Out, but want to meet this incre incredible <laughs> lady. I mean, Brenda is just really incredible. Uh, I sat and talked with her for quite a while, and, and we had a really, really cool conversation. And uh, I'm very impressed with you. I'm very impressed with your ministry. I'm very impressed with what you have done and what you're doing and for the goals you have for your ministry. I think it's really cool. Amen. So um, I thank you. For, well, it's all God. <laughs> like well, I said, it's a faith walk. And, and it is. Walk. Yes, it is. I mean, even, even this program, you know, it is a faith walk. Yes. It's something I'm not used to doing i've never done this before yeah i've never life. done this before either yeah. <laughs> i mean i've always been an artist i've always been a minister but i've never actually been an owner of, of something like this this is a faith walk just every day yeah. is different so <laughs> so anyway i um so everyone who's watching this you know remember we have uh, you have a website to go to called artistnightout.org mm -hmm. You want to visit that website, and if you're in locally San Antonio, you want to. Uh, you have an email on that website. Uh, yeah, when you go to the website, there's an you'll click on the email, and if you're an artist and you want to be a part of Artist Night Out, you click on that email link as well and submit your bio and your headshot and a sample of your work. So, if somebody wanted to become involved with Artist Night Out, for example, like you mentioned, a vendor or a singer or. Um, some type of artist mm -hmm. or, or you wanted to, you say you, you have memberships to help right. this organize. Do they send you an email to mention their request or their what they'd like to do? There's two separate things. Uh, the email you send if you're an artist and you want to be a part of Artist Night Out. And then there's another button that says if you want to be a member and you would um, subscribe. So if I wanted to be a member... Mm -hmm. What is it? What is it that I I receive in return for being a member? What does the membership do for me? Other than knowing you're a big part of the building of Artist Night Out, we also um, offer discounts on the, the merchandise that we sell, um, and yeah, in all the different activities that'll be going on, like the concerts and and tickets and things like that. Okay. Uh, one other thing I noticed: you don't only sell your art; you auction it as well. Yes. Well, we just started doing that. We haven't quite got the kinks out of it yet because I've never done it before. I've gone to auctions. I've sent my, my, I've donated my art to auctions, but I've never actually auctioned my art. 
So that's a whole new territory for us. But yeah, um, a lot of the artwork, I do crafting. It's more of a, a stress relief for me, <laughs> which is funny because you would think painting was, but um, <laughs> I make a lot of different things with my hands. And so we've decided to auction some of the items that I've made um, over time. And if anybody is interested in uh, art lessons, mm -hmm. uh, you want to contact Brenda. She does give art lessons. I think, uh, if I remember right, you mentioned there's a girl there who gives singing lessons. Yes, we have music we have partnered lessons. with a music school. Okay, so um, incredible, incredible ministry, and I, I think we are really in need of a ministry like this. And mm -hmm. this is good to see. This is in San Antonio. Yeah, so. exactly. Okay, well, let's move on. Let's uh, start with our, our topic. Our topic is on First uh, Peter 2.9, and I want to read the passage, and I'm going to actually add in verse 10. Okay. Uh, actually, I was uh, looking at First uh, Peter, and, and it all kind of comes together from verse 1 all the way through 10. Mm -hmm. and, but 9 and 10 is really good to pull in, and in, uh, so verse 9 says this. It says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priest, I'm sorry, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. Now, where it says his own special people, there are, there are some translations that might say his own possession or God's own, God's own possession, mm -hmm. okay? That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Verse 10 says, who once were not a, a people, but uh, are now a people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Yeah. I like that part of it because it kind of fills in the entire sentence for verse 9. So tell us, you know, what is it to be a royal priesthood? What is it to be, be a holy nation and be God's chosen? I think it's like a transformation of who you used to be to who, who he says you are. And, and for a lot of people, I don't think we value who we are inside. I think I know artists have a really hard time valuing who they are. But when you hear those words, you're a royal priesthood, me? And you know, like, you just kind of, it doesn't sit well because of the sin nature that we have. So when we hear priest, we think religion right off the bat. But I don't think that's... Um, that's totally accurate, I think, because Jesus is our high priest. He's the, he's our King of Kings. He's our Lord of Lords, and He looks at us and He says and He sees us as as His His children. We are His. We belong to Him, and when we don't see that in ourselves, it may be because we have been told some lies that by the enemy. He might be beating us up with our past. So. A royal priesthood literally means, okay, that we have direct access and fellowship with God, mm -hmm. okay, like a priest does. I mean, right. in the Old Testament, even in, in today's day, basically, in some denominations, a priest would be the person that the people would go to because they had the access to God. Uh, in the Old Testament, the high priest had the access, direct access. Right. Um, I guess in some denominations here who still have that hierarchy of priests, you would go to priests and archbishop and uh, so forth, all the way to the top who has the uh, connection with God, mm -hmm. kind of that chain of command. Mm -hmm. But according to what I read in Scripture, whether it be in Peter, whether it be in Hebrews or uh, so, so forth, 
we we are priests in our own right because we're part of Jesus. We're, we're right. heirs of Him, right. and so we have now have direct access. Yes. What I like is, uh, and maybe you can comment on this, is I see where it directly but indirectly shows us that we have that direct access. That the, uh, when Jesus was on the cross and the lights went out, earthquake, all this stuff happened, and the veil in the temple tore from top to bottom, opening up the mm -hmm. Holy of Holies, mm -hmm. which to me signified that now I have, all believers have direct access to God himself. Mm -hmm. That's kind of where I see it, where mm -hmm. I picture that. How about you? Well, I also think about adoption and how we've been adopted and grafted in to the family. And so it's like when it says when you're an adopted child, you have more legal right to an inheritance that's been left behind than the actual biological children. So when we are adopted into the family of God, we are we have a more legal right through Christ because of what he's done for us to be in um, receiving that inheritance, which is spiritual. I, I like the term grafted in. I think a lot of uh, believers, a lot of people in the Christian churches forget about that. Yeah. I mean, if we go to Romans, you know, Paul talks about the fact that we're grafted in. Mm -hmm. uh, the Jew is there and those who have not been broken off with mm -hmm. Israel were grafted in to the very same group that Israel, the Jews, are God's chosen. We are God's chosen. We're grafted in together. We work together to honor those, the Messiah, which is Jesus. Mm -hmm. All all believers, and it doesn't matter if you're, what does the Bible say, Jew, Greek, Gentile, as long as you're following the Messiah, you know, you're all basically of one priesthood, one group, mm -hmm. one holy nation. Right. And then I'm thinking of the word grafted is um, in the process of grafting, if you have a plant, you cut it and you put another plant and you put it inside and then you tape it up. That's how you graft um, a plant to another plant. Well, essentially what happens is that plant becomes the same plant. They, it becomes one. Right. That's who we are in him when we have that, when we're grafted in. Now we've become one with him. That's so true. I think that... Um... It's important that that message is heard all through Christendom. Yes. All through the world. I mean, I think it's something we've had so much separation, mm -hmm. so much uh, uh, I am me, you are you. We have this idea that, um, well, God treats Gentiles differently than he does Jews. Well, no, if you're a believer, you're a believer, and he treats you basically the same. It is what it is because mm -hmm. you are following, you're honoring him, you're praising him you're thanking him you're living for him mm -hmm. all those who are living for him are the one mm -hmm. which i think is really cool and what you said was perfectly right mm. so that is the lord yeah <laughs> he well, does that he'll he he sees us as one but i think what we have is this sinful nature that says no we're not we're separate we're two different plants we're two different people we're not the same you know and but it's the holy spirit that that pushes pushes us together you know, it's almost like the tape that holds it together. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And, and I think that that's it's really cool. So the fact that we have um, Jesus, who is the high priest, mm -hmm. the fact that we are heirs with him, we, we reign with him, we'll rule with him, we are part of him. 
he is our basically our brother and our Lord, you know, which the scriptures say basically, if that is all, when that is all true with any person, you are considered part of that priesthood. Mm-hmm. I think that is so cool. It takes away from the the idea, I think, of a lot of pride where, well, I'm a priest, I'm a pastor. Yeah. And, and, and all these people are not. Yeah. I was having a discussion with somebody recently about saints, mm-hmm. you know, and a saint is like St. Anthony or St. Christopher or St. Somebody. And, and I was telling this person, well, according to the scripture, if you're a believer, every believer is a saint. Yeah. <laughs> according to the God of Paul, the Apostle Paul. Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes pride gets in the way. Yeah. You know, uh, power, pride, those things, which is, according to the scripture, has no part of us. Right. You know, and I think that that's really, really important to understand that we come into this whole thing because of God's mercy and God's grace. Mm, Which is the same thing with the Jews from the beginning. I think in Deuteronomy, it says God chose them, not because they were big and mighty and wonderful. They were basically nothing, and God brought them in. Right. And he does it for for everybody he's called into this. It's the same thing. Yeah. And it's all done by faith. You know, it's impossible to please God without faith. So you have to believe that he is who he says he is and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. So when when we're seeking him with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our strength, just like giving it all to him and say, I need you. I want to be a part of you. Now you're grafting in. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's a really, really important thing. So what is a holy nation? A holy nation. Well, I think we have to break it apart, like the two words, holy. Mm-hmm. What is really holy? He calls us holy. Again, our, our mind wants to go tilt. <laughs> holy, not me. I've got a lot of, have you seen my past? I mean, if you only knew. Well, God does know. And because of the blood of Jesus, that makes us holy. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So now we are made right with him. So that makes us holy. So I, I teach on holiness a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably my, close to my number one teaching that I do. And I think that um, I came out of a holiness type church, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of holiness churches are, are great. A lot of them have a lot of flaws. There's a lot of legalism involved that could be weeded out. Mm-hmm. But I, I started realizing how important it is to be holy and what it is to be holy. I was always told a long time ago, being holy is just basically, and these are this is my interpretation of what was been crammed down my throat. That's really probably a very crude way to say that. Mm-hmm. But it's like you do everything right. Mm-hmm. You know, whole, to be holy is to not make any mistakes, is to do, be perfect. Right. But be perfect. Yeah. And then I hear people, for years I heard people say, well, you, you know, to be holy is to be perfect. Well, nobody can be perfect, so why even worry about being holy? Right. And so I had to really start studying about what holiness really is. And so the more I read the scripture, the more I realized holiness has more to do with the motive of your heart. Yes than the actions. A lot of times the motive of your heart will will bring out the actions right. of your hands or whatever you do. Mm-hmm. So we go back to motive. When Jesus taught, it's really cool. He, you know, he's talked about like, you know, if you um, about murder. Well if you hate your brother, you've yeah. committed murder. So he goes back to the heart, back to the motive, back mm-hmm. to the really stuff that starts exactly. after the before the the 
action part of it. And I think that holiness is all a part of that. When, when we were created in Genesis, it says that, you know, God created man in his own image, in his own likeness. Mm -hmm. So what is God's image? What is his likeness? So after all the study that I've done, all the people I've listened to, I've come down to this realization that we were created in his likeness, in moral character, mm -hmm. in his holiness, in his love, in his, you know, all the things that are his characteristics. I and mean, if you go to uh, the fruit of the spirit, what is the fruit of the spirit? Those are the characteristics of God. Mm -hmm. We were created with that. Unfortunately, we have the fall, and we have now a corruption and a perversion of all the moral character within us that has been taken apart. So when Jesus comes back and says, you have the Holy Spirit now to build this in you and heal the hurt and the mend this stuff so that mm -hmm. you can be holy, mm -hmm. which is back to building that moral character within so that the actions may not be so, well, in my case, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> it's hard to believe that we are his masterpiece. He takes, so in the, in the painting process, you take a, a blank canvas. Like when we were little babies, we were a blank canvas. And, and parents look at them and they're like, I don't know what to do with it, <laughs> you know. And then they start doing things. And that's basically like putting paint on that blank canvas and starting making, you know, oh, he needs to go to school. And then there's some paint there. And then, oh, he needs to go to college. And there's some paint there. And, and you're constantly like adding to the canvas. And then, th then you let go and you're like, what a mess. Because <laughs> they start running in their own life, you know, and they start going in their own ways and they, they like you know start veering in a different direction than you thought they were going to and as parents we we go well but what about my masterpiece i made this masterpiece and then really it was god's masterpiece to begin with because he's he said okay you did your part now i'm gonna do mine and he starts adding paint and he takes this and he does this and he moves it around and all of a sudden now you see this child that you started out with and it didn't look like it was going to make make it you know the child's not gonna make it but here god says no that was on purpose. You had to have that, that layer of, of color blocking. You had to have that little bit of um, extra paint here and a texture there and move that here because I, there's three stages to my painting process. There's the underpainting, then there's the, the um, middle stage or the ugly stage, and then there's the details, which is the highlights and the shadows. And so when we're looking at our life, we can see it as a painting. Sometimes we're in the, in the very beginning of our life and in, the, in the, you know, the planning stage. But then there's the, the ugly stage, the middle stage of the painting, and, and we may be making a mess, and it may seem like it's, a, it's never going to come out. And then the last part of the, of the painting is the detail stage where the highlights and the shadows, and that's where everything starts to make sense. That's where highlight here, and all of a sudden that comes forth, and it makes it you know, appear to be what it was always meant to be. And that's what I think God, you know, he does that. He's, he paints us. He, we're his masterpiece. He puts in the highlights and the shadows. We don't do that. We, we think we're doing it, but it's all him just like showing up and showing off. And that's what he does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, another part of the holy nation. Actually, I really like your analogy. It's really <laughs> cool. I mean, you leave it to an artist to, to give it that way. It's really, really nice. I, I can't help it. It's got to be me. <laughs> well, and that's, that's what makes the world unique and it yeah. makes the world move because yeah. people have something that reaches others and so forth. Well, on a holy nation, also a holy nation basically literally are the people of God. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, a holy nation are all the believers, okay, of Jesus, all the believers of him. And the thing is about a holy nation is that we find this in scripture, we are set apart. Mm-hmm. We are purged. We are, we are, um, we're deemed holy. We're deemed, you know, priesthood and we're set apart from the world. We're set apart from that which is not of God. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important we see this, that it's not, uh, a holy nation isn't just a country like the United States or like Israel. It's the people who actually are believers. It's like blood. Mm-hmm. For, for what a nation is in the scripture is somebody who's blood related, basically. Right. And so here we are faith related. Okay, so we are a holy nation based on the fact that, you by know, with by faith. What yeah. is faith? What is, you mentioned believe a couple of times. So somebody who is a believer is somebody who acts upon the teachings of Jesus, acts upon the teachings of the scripture. Right. That believe is an active verb. So basically, you know, if we're acting upon what are we being taught, we're acting upon what God has revealed to us. If we're acting upon the teachings, mm-hmm. then we're believing, mm-hmm. making him Lord of our life. And in that respect, we're a holy nation. And that word holy, again, what we think is holy may not necessarily mean what God sees as holy. Because like the painting, it could be an abstract, you know? It's still beautiful, it still has purpose, but it's not what we thought was holy. Mm-hmm. Our holy, our idea of holy is perfect, like you said. I, I call it like, if you just do your best, he wants a spirit of excellence, it's your best. Give your best effort, your best way of doing things. And it may look like a mess, Yeah. but it's gonna, it's gonna be, from the heart, and you're giving your all to him. You know, I had a pastor, um, I really admired him. His name is Robert Emmett, mm-hmm. uh, former pastor at Community Bible Church. Mm-hmm. And he would teach this, and he would say, you know, if you really want to know what it is to be a real believer, um, to really know what holiness is, you know, for those of you who go to work, be, make sure you're never late. Be there on time or even early. Mm-hmm. Do your job what you're paid to do mm-hmm. and do it to the best ability that you can do it the best you can. Mm-hmm. And if you need to stay late. Yeah. I mean, he was like, do your best because what you're doing is you're honoring Jesus. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of people don't get. We go to a work, we're working for the boss or whoever it might be. And we're thinking, Oh, well, you know, I don't like this guy. I'll do what I can. If I have to, what I, when he's not looking, I'll get away with what I can. Yeah. But your testimony about toward Jesus mm-hmm. is that what, what is reflecting on what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that is really true. What you said, what Robert has said, we need to do our best because yeah. it's our best. that's going to reflect who we are from who we are, which is from Jesus. Right. And, you know, when I do art, it's it's the same way as I do my best. And sometimes I don't even like some of my stuff. Like, I just like, oh, that was not my best. I just know in my heart, you know, and some things will not sell. Well, it's probably because it's not finished or maybe it's just um, not my best work. So if I'm if I try to sell it, I have a conscience. I know that I did not do my best and I don't want to sell it. So we should be like that in life. We should be, if we know that we didn't do our best and we know that we didn't do what we should have done, then we shouldn't be trying to get away with it because God saw everything. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing is hidden from him. He yeah. sees it all. <laughs> that's true. And that's where the last part of the scripture. Mm-hmm. He, um, we are his own special pe- uh, people. In fact, mm-hmm. some versions will say that we are God's special possession. Yes. 
you know. And I think that for those of those of you who are watching, uh, or if you're on Spotify or listening, um, understand that God loves you so much that He's possessed. That sounds weird. Possessed. You. <laughs> He's possessed. You. He, you are His possession. You are His. You are His choice. Treasure. Yeah. Exactly. You're His cho- treasure. You're mm-hmm. His special people. Yeah. What does the verse say? Um, it says you are uh, His own special people. Yes. And I think that's really very important. Uh, we understand that because I think those a lot of times, no matter who you are, you get in a place where you feel down. You Mm -hmm. wonder, God, are you listening? God, are you watching? God, are you there? Do you even care about what I'm doing or thinking? Mm -hmm. Did I mess up so badly that, um, am I, that I'm not worthy anymore? I mean, but when we look at the scripture, we realize we are, he, Mm -hmm. we are, we are special. I mean, if you have children and they do something wrong, we don't just disown them and walk away. Yeah. I mean, so we have to think in that, that term. And I think it's very important so um, and value is the other thing about that that part of the verse is what we value may not be exactly what he values so sometimes i have a painting that i've probably worked like crazy trying to get it sold and it doesn't sell but then there's another one that sells like that and i didn't even put an effort into it hardly but well, it's always different. His ways are not our ways. Our ways are not his ways. So we have to remember that what he sees as valuable is not necessarily always what we see as valuable and vice versa. We, we don't realize the value. That's why Artist Night Out is, is the message behind it is that to put value back into what he says is valuable. You know, it's funny. My mom is a, an artist. She's a painter. And um she painted a, a, she was five years old. She was playing outside. She lived in Pearl Harbor right there when the, uh, December 7th, when the Pearl Harbor was bombed. She was playing outside that morning. And uh, recently she painted a picture a few years ago or several years ago of the bombing of Pearl Harbor, how she basically pictures it. Mm-hmm. And she would tell the story of how she could see the men's faces Japanese faces and and when they (laughs) flew over their house but she painted this painting and I told her I love this painting I really want this painting you know a lot so she gave it to me and I thought more and more as I have this painting I don't want to keep it I want to donate it to Pearl Harbor on Fort Island they have this really amazing um, museum Mm -hmm. so I want to so next year when we go I think it's next year year after we're going and, um, and I want to donate it to Praise the God. museum. And even though as much as I've wanted this painting, mm-hmm. you know, I think that other people, especially with my mom's story, mm-hmm. because knowing that she was actually there right. and she painted this, I think would add a lot of value. Yeah. Exactly. And, I, and I think sometimes we need to look at that in our own lives yeah. when we have such things. You know, I, I was looking at... Uh, stuff of value and i'm trying to think what do i have a value i don't know if i really have a tangible thing really that i you know like kids do like my favorite toy or something mm-hmm. i don't have my favorite toy mm-hmm. you know so i'm buying a guitar maybe that will become my my favorite toy in a couple of months hey you'll come and play at artist night out <laughs> maybe i haven't played in a long time but it's uh especially hand built so it's, well in the art world you know paintings are valuable but they're more valuable when you put a story with the painting 
So that adds the value to it. And then people can relate to it. And that's what causes people to connect with the story. It's not necessarily the painting. They just look pretty on the wall. But when you put a story behind it, now I can connect to it. Now I get it. I understand. Because a yeah. lot of people don't interpret art the same. <laughs> no. And they don't see the same thing as the artist sees. So the artist has to say their story. And you don't see your story. It's a testimony as to, you know, that's where the, the value is. Well, it's very true. I write poetry. Uh -huh. I, I've uh, published a book on poetry called Whispers of the Heart. Mm -hmm. And it's all about, mostly it's about a bunch of poems of my heartbreaks through life, my hurt, my the things that have happened. But every time I pick up a book of poetry, it's like page after page, poem after poem. Well, what does it mean? Mm -hmm. So I did the very thing you just said. I took the poem on one page, put the story, why I wrote it on the other page. Mm -hmm. So they would know why, what this poem meant, represents, or why I wrote it. Mm -hmm. Because I didn't want And then want they to, can connect to they you. They can connect to mm -hmm. that, exactly. And I think that's what God does in the scripture. I think, you know, the, the very thing that... that what you're saying is the very thing that God has done for us in Scripture. We connect by mm -hmm. the story of who He is through the Scripture. Yeah, exactly. You know, His I, very nature, His creative nature. He's such a creative God, and He created all of us in His image. Therefore, we have value. Yeah. And now we are. He calls us a, whole, a chosen nation, a holy nation. He causes. He calls us that. He, he's the one that titled the picture. You know, the artist, it's like when you when you finish your work, you sign your work. You know, you sign your initial or you put a, a little card by the painting and that titles it. Well, that's what God did with us. We're his masterpiece. And so he signed his name. on. Yeah. And, <laughs> and like, you know, this verse 10 is really good. It talks about, you know, we were not once we were not a people of him. Now we are a people of him. Mm -hmm. We did not obtain mercy before, but now. Because of Jesus, because of God, mm -hmm. we obtain mercy. Mm -hmm. And that really is the crux of it all. Yeah, We are his, we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, because we have walked into, taken a step to him to make him Lord and receive the mercy that he offers us. Mm -hmm. And I think that is really what captivates the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And now we can give it away. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think it's a perfect picture. So, anyway, um, I don't know. Do you have anything else to say? Here's your passage you, you gave me. <laughs> well, I, you know, when I said the first passage, part of the passage is being a light in the darkness. Mm -hmm. When we give our testimony, when we give away who we are and and help someone else, through what they're going through. Because at times we don't know why we're going through what we're going through. But there's a reason. And I used to say there's, a, you know, God has his reasons. And I was like, kind of like this oblivious, you know, for some reason. No, there's a purpose and a reason. Mm -hmm. So we have to dig deeper in the word of God to, so to see what he says about the situation. So we know how to handle our situation. And we, how are we going to minister to someone if we don't know what the word says about that, that situation? All we're going to do is give them, you know, a pat on the back without knowing the truth. So we need the truth so we can set people free. And that's how we are, how God works through us. You know, we're just a vapor. We're not going to be here forever. We're leaving something behind. And that's where artists know it's going to be something I leave behind. It's not something that I'm going to be. I'm going to enjoy it all the way, you know. But once I'm gone, I'm gone, you know. And then my children and, the, and their children 
because we're supposed to leave an inheritance for our children's children. Yeah. You know, it's to pass it on. Yeah, I think I think it's a, an amazing story. You have an amazing story. Uh, you have an amazing ministry. I think what you have done with your uh, talent that God has given you, that you are using it to proclaim Jesus. You're using it to share uh, what God is all about. And I, I really like that. I think that that is a, a totally amazing. Again, I want to say to all of you who are watching, uh, especially those who in San Antonio, you need to take a look at this. You need to go to artistnightout.org. Mm -hmm. um, look at their website. If any any day, Monday through Friday mm -hmm. in the afternoon, uh, you have nothing to do or if you want to figure this come out. Come hang out with me. And drink a come coffee. hang out. Yeah, <laughs> go there. They're, they're right where, where Macy's used to be. Where Macy's used to be. At the, it's right next door. at the end. Um, on a Saturday afternoon, evening, you know, if you want to listen to some pretty good music and you mm -hmm. want to fellowship with other believers, you know, there you go. Yes. Time to be there. And I really believe this can grow. And I think that uh, we need this. Mm -hmm. Um I think what you said earlier was perfect about, you know, what do we do? Mm -hmm. But now we have a place to go. There's right. no reason, you know, not to do this. Right. And we're so. just looking for people who want to partner with us and, and become a member and, and keep it, keep the doors open, keep us going so yeah. that this is for you. It's for, it's for everybody. Yeah. And, you know, this is good for more churches to, to be aware of this too and, and acknowledge and, and maybe uh, boost the yeah. situation. Yeah. So, Anyway, uh, nice. Ha it was wonderful having you here. I really, really enjoy you getting to know you, knowing what you're doing, and having you on this program. It's been really. It's uh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having, having me. So anyway, that's it for today. It's our program, and we want to thank everyone for joining in. And we'll see you next week. And aloha. Alan Cutting and the Believer's Journey Radio Program seeks to teach the Word of God in a clear and practical manner. For more information, please visit the podcast page at am630theword.com.